Well, good morning and welcome to Reaching the Next Generation. I'm yours truly, Jerome, and I'm going to be with you for a few minutes today for another exciting Bible lesson on the purpose, predestination, and providence of God. I hope you get your Bibles and get ready to go with us into an exciting time in the Word of God this morning. I want to First of all, just bless the Lord for such a tremendous week of revival. That's right. Revival has just completed five weeks, five weeks of miracle revival right here in Spring, Texas and going all around the world. We are so, so excited about what God is speaking, what he is doing in the body of Christ. And if you have not been with us in the revival, then you have certainly uh, been missing what God has been pouring out of his spirit, what he has been saying to the body of Christ. So I would encourage you, I would encourage you to be with us in revival as we start, if the Lord's willing, on Monday. Uh, we are just so excited with the testimonies of healings, the testimonies of salvations, the testimonies of a total change mind. So if you uh, know someone that, uh, that uh, is searching for God, then point them in the way of the online revival. That's right, the online revival. So we are so excited about that. We want you to join us and be blessed of the Lord. Now, today we're going to uh, finish the lesson on the providence and the well actually the purpose predestination and providence of god we're going to bring that to a close today we got to uh just some exciting scriptures that we're going to be going through and seeing how the purpose of god how that purpose has to be the, the only significance in the life of a child of God. How that purpose has to be front and center at all times if we're going to walk in a loving and pleasing relationship with God. And so we're going to get into that. We've covered so much of it in four other lessons are also already. So we're going to pick up now in the lesson today as we pick up where Joseph, who is the one that uh, the character that is being used to illustrate the purpose of God, the predestination of God and the providence of God. Now, you may might want to know what does all those terms mean well when i talk about the purpose of god i'm talking about what is god's plan for your life that's what we're talking about what what is god's plan for your life and one thing for sure is that all of us are going to experience the purpose of God in one way or the other. All of us are. 
You see, God has created all things for himself. Now, the difference in some of us is that some will experience that purpose of God that relates to the good or the joy or the peace or everlasting joy. And then some will experience that purpose, which is going to be everlasting damnation. But inside of the purpose of God, there are both scenarios. And you got to see this part as well, because see, God has has purpose that all who are not found in him spend eternity in damnation, in eternal damnation. He has purposed that already. So he has, he, this is all included, but you and I get to decide, okay, which part of God's purpose is to be your destiny. So we want you to understand that and we're going to deal much more about that as we uh, share in this lesson. So we're going to encourage you to get paper and pencil uh, so that you can go back and examine the uh, broadcast uh, later on, take notes. And we also want to say, uh, if you on the broadcast today, I have posted several links. And these links are, are links to our podcast. We certainly would love for you to be a member of our podcast site as well. So click on that link and sign up for our podcast and you'll be able to get all of the audio sound of these messages. You know, sometimes you're not able to sit and watch a message, you know, watch a video, but that audio feed, you can listen to it on your phone. Just simply download the app and you'll be able to listen to that audio message just like it is recorded in the video version. And in addition to listening to the audio, you'll be able to call in and participate as well if you want, if you happen to be listening to it uh, during the live uh, broadcast. So the audio gives you that uh, additional interaction as well. So if you want to uh, call in, just simply download the app and you'll be able to call in uh, to the broadcast. Uh, we also have posted our Bibles um, project. And so we want you to really um, to really help us in this project uh, of sending Bibles to our ministering brothers and sisters in Africa. Now, we, we, we have to tell you that we are so thankful we're so thankful for those of you that um, have helped us with our Bible project thus far. We're so thankful because, you know, it, it has blessed the people in Pakistan uh, and we've had them on the broadcast. They have also been on the revival broadcast and uh, we've had people in the uh, nation of Africa on our broadcast. Uh, we've had people in Sweden people in the Netherlands, people in, in the um, 
Saudi Arabia, people in Iran, people in Iraq, people in New Zealand, people uh, is on our broadcast from Egypt, people in our podcast broadcast from India, uh, of course, all over the United States, people are, are signing into the broadcast as well. And there are many other countries. Uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, South Africa. Uh, we're talking about uh, countries that we uh, will have a problem pronouncing their names. Uh, but there are people that are signing in from around the world. And so we want to say thank you for supporting the broadcast. Thank you for your help. But the Bible Project is a, is a project that sends Bibles to men and women that are preaching the gospel, pastors and evangelists around the, in various countries that are in remote areas. They don't even have a store where they can just run down to the corner store and get a Bible. So these are perilous times and we are doing our part to help our brothers and sisters, you know, just like sending aid to them. And so they are so thankful and so appreciative of what you've already done. So help us go to Africa with Bibles. Uh, $7 will send one Bible. And so if you want to do that, you can see on our page, there's a link there for our cash app. There's a link there for our Bible project uh, link in the podcast site as well. So you can do either one and, and help us with our Bible project to Africa. Then we have our YouTube channel. And uh, there is, uh, uh, that's the channel that we're going to be uh, moving to uh, in, a, in a short time now. And uh, so we want to encourage you to, uh, by all means now, by all means, sign up. I put the channel right there. Sign up for our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to it. And uh, we will be handling most all of our um, broadcast there. And so uh, we encourage you to, by all means, get to the YouTube channel and uh, sign up there uh, so that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Okay, so well, we're going to get into this study today and we're going to finish, Lord's willing, this word on the purpose of God, the predestination of God, and the providence of God. Good morning, Monique. Good morning, Abraham. God bless you guys this morning. And uh, also good morning to you, uh, Val Will. Uh, is that Val Will 103? Good morning to you. Uh, don't forget to like, give us, a, give us a thumbs up this morning on our YouTube channel and give us a subscription. Subscribe to the channel. And uh, this word today should should really be a blessing to you. It certainly was a blessing to me. And uh, so I'm going to get into it in just a moment here. Uh, let's see, did we get all the preliminaries done? Yes, I think we got all the preliminaries done. So let's go back to the word of God. We're going to jump right in here where we are talking from Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 28 is our uh, master verse and so we're going to go right back into that particular passage and just quote it for us uh, many of us know it says and we know that all things work together 
for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So what that is telling us now is that there is nothing that is happening in your life or in my life if I love God and I am called according to his purpose, then there is nothing that is happening in our life that is not working out for our good, that is not working together for our good. You and I have got to believe that if we're going to fulfill purpose. We've got to believe that if we're going to fulfill purpose. Now, I'm going to take a little slower time today because I have some time and I don't have to really do anything else but this if I choose to do that today. So we, we're saying that all things work together for the good. And so you, you there's some questions and, and you can uh, uh, let me know uh, if you're getting the point here. Because when we say that, are we saying that everything that happens to me in this life is working out for my good. Is that what we're saying? Are we are we saying that that um, that everything that I experience in this life? Are we, are we saying that those things work together for my good? And it's because we want to be very plain in this uh, area of study too. And my answer is exactly. That's exactly what we're saying. And, and the reason we say that is on this condition. See, we are saying that, but there's a condition upon which that is, is so. And what is the condition? The condition is stated right in the verse, to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if we love God, see, then we are called according to his purpose. Because God, created us to love him see so if we love god we are the called according to his purpose and therefore everything that happens in your life in my life is all working out to, is working together for good that means this thing that happened as well as that thing and the next thing, and the next thing is all working together now for my good. Now, if you don't believe that, there's no sense in me going any further in the, in the scripture to, because that's first, you've got to believe that this is what, this is what Hebrews was saying as well, when it says he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And the is is whatever he says he is. God told Moses, I am that I am. See, so whatever God has said, you got to believe that. You cannot allow 
yourself. Good morning, Mildred Grant. You cannot allow yourself, see, not to believe what God's word has declared and expect to live a fruitful life. So if now, if the purpose of God, see, what is that purpose? The purpose of God is for you to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. The purpose of God is for you to be functioning as a Son of God. The purpose of God is for you now to fulfill that that He intended for the first Adam to fulfill. That's the purpose of God, so that you could live forever through with Him in eternity. That's the purpose of God. God never intended for Adam to die, never intended for him to die. He put him in the garden. He made him in his own image. See, and he never intended for Adam to die. In fact, if we look at the truth of God's creation, there's no way Adam could ever cease to exist. See, the death that 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 we have will experience is not in the realm of the physical now that um, God was so uh, pointing to as he spoke in the garden. A lot of times we will gravitate to that death, but it was a spiritual death. It was separation from God. See, man have not seen that for the most part as death. See, we, we think death is going into the graveyard. See, and we, we have viewed that death with a lot of significance, you know, with a lot of reverence, you know, we with a with a uh, finality, but but that is not the final estate. See, that is not the final resting place, like people say, rest in peace. Well, well, you know, we can uh, uh, put that acronym next to everybody's name, but everybody's not resting in peace. You know, uh, they they might have met their uh, physical expiration date, but they are still alive. Okay, now now because see, God said, "I made man in my own image," and one of the things about the image of God is that He can never cease to exist. God is the eternal Spirit. And he made man in his own image. So since man is in the image of God, then he there's a consciousness of man that cannot die, that cannot cease to be. See, even when it is separated from God, that conscience can't cease to be. So now got to, you got to see this because if the if it were so, then once we uh, went into the grave, then there would be nothing after that. There would be just nothing beyond the grave. But because the conscious can't cease to exist, let's just look at something. I I want to go to 
I'm going to get back there now, Lord, help me get through this today. Glory to God. But let's look at, I want to just, uh, I want to validate what we are saying, what we are saying here. Let's go to Luke, I believe, and we're going to see if we can locate this. Uh, we're not certain, but we're going to attempt to because there was a, in Luke, we'll find, let's see, I think we'll find it down here. In Luke, the 16th chapter, good morning, Alton. God bless you guys this morning. In Luke now, the 16th chapter, because we're talking about this, the all things working together for the good. And we're talking about the fact that the purpose of God, uh, we're all going to experience that purpose in one way or another, whether it be good or bad, because God is already predestined the outcome of all things. Now you gotta, yeah, and I know this is a, uh, could be a very intimidating subject when you're dealing with predestination, but God is already predestined, predestined the outcome of all things. And that does not mean now that God has usurped authority over your choice. See, the predestination of God does not mean that God usurps authority over your choice. What the predestination of God is, it is the foreknowledge of God. It is saying that God now, in his foreknowledge, have seen your response to everything that you've been confronted with in your whole life. He has seen every thought, every deed, every imagination of your heart. He has seen that before it ever existed. Now, now you gotta if you if you follow that, that means that someone that has seen all of your responses knows how to order the events in time to manifest what you have already decided. That's predestination. Okay. Now, Father, I, I just thank God for that right there, because see that 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 tell that lays it out in the truest form because I've heard so many people over the years um, teach predestination like it's, it's, it's everything that's going to be is just going to be, you know, that, that it's just predestined this way and that means you don't have a choice in it. That's not true. You have a choice in it. See, God has said in one uh, uh, place because a lot of times people say, if God meant it to be, it's going to be. No, that's not, that's not, that, that, that's not, that doesn't fit all scripture because the scripture says God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son. So who is the world? Everybody. See, so God paid the price for salvation for everybody. So does, doesn't it stands to be true now that if God paid the penalty and the price of salvation for the whole world, doesn't it stand to be true that God wants the whole world to be saved? Hallelujah. But we know that the whole world is not going to be saved. So just because God desired it to be doesn't mean that he usurped your decision and your will and ability to decide. See, God, the scripture says, it is not my will that any should perish. And so God said that in very plain English. It's not my will that any should perish. See, but that all come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and be saved. So God tells us that, you know, just because God wills it doesn't mean it is going to be. See, it doesn't mean that this is going to happen because God wills it to happen or desire it to happen. Let's let's just for the lack of understanding, let's say it was, it's God's desire that all of us be saved, see? But it is not going to be the reality. The reality is that many will be lost. That's the reality. And But even that is found in the purpose of God. What do you mean? It means that God has already predestined that every individual that rejects Christ, see, he's already predestined a destination for them. And that too is in his purpose. It is the purpose of God to stamp out evil. And God calls everything outside of him evil. And that's his purpose, although that now is not a pleasant end for anyone. But God is also in his purpose now for all those that make the decision, see, to accept what Jesus did on the cross and to commit their life to him. See, those that, that says, I believe this report, those that says, I am I'm, I'm yielding my whole life to him. And those that says, I am going to walk upright in obedience to him. God has predestined those to be with him in everlasting life throughout all eternity. See, so, so now we've got to understand that that's where we have to lay it out in the lesson of predestination because don't ever uh, listen to someone that tells you that you don't have a choice because see God never forces anyone to take him. He doesn't force us to do that. He didn't make us a robot. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to fix you so that the only thing you can do is what I say. 
That's not what God did even in Adam's day. He didn't do that in Lucifer's day. And he has not done that in the new man, the new creation. See, the new creature. The new creature still have the ability to choose whether they are going to serve God or whether they're going to serve sin and Satan. See, so you, you never was, uh, uh, you never lost that ability. God never took that because see, if God did that, then love would not be a factor. See, love would not be a factor. You couldn't say you love God, see? So what, what is the manifestation that you love God? Is that you uh, keep his commandments? That's the manifestation right there. Because see, it's the love of God. It's the love of God that constrains us according to the word over in Second uh, Corinthians 5 and about the 14th verse. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. In other words, because I loved God, I don't want to disobey him. Because I love him, then I'm going to do what he say do. See, a husband loves his wife, says, I don't want to violate the marriage covenant because I love my wife. The husband that loves his wife says, I don't want to be abusive to her because I love her. See, you don't, you don't, you don't destroy that that you love. See, you don't abuse that that you love. You don't violate that that you love. See, and that's why Jesus could say very absolutely, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's he just said that as if if it was just a uh, uh, it's easy as water rolling off a duck's back. You, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. No ifs, ands, and buts, you know? So so let's look at that. Now, what we weren't established here, because we're gonna, we, we, we're trying to get into this uh, area here to finish up this here lesson. So let's look at uh, what we were stating that uh, when you are born, when you were created in the image of God, then this image that we were created in is eternal. And, and we're going to live throughout eternity. The only uh, difference is that some's going to live in eternal joy with God, and some's going to live in eternal damnation with the devil and his angels. Those are the two destinations. See, those are the two destinations. Now, let's just look in the word of God, because I told you that when a man died in the physical body and goes into the, the body, goes into the grave, that soul never go into that grave. I, I, I just, I, I want people to understand, because we always, you know, people are still, going out to the graveyards to talk to what they say their relatives and their loved ones and, and i don't i don't say anything to the little that but i want you to know that they're not there that body can't hear you 
they are not there. Now, you may be doing that to get self-satisfaction, but that body cannot hear you. And that body is never going to be able to hear you. That soul is not there. Look what happens here in Luke chapter 16. Let's look at this. Verse 9, starting at the 19th verse. It says, and there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fed sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now we had the rich man and we have a beggar, two different people. One is rich, one is a beggar. One was living very comfortable and one was living in poverty. This is why we should not despise them that are poor. This is why we should not look down on them. We should, we should recognize that, wait a minute now, just because they are poor and just because they are wretched looking does not mean now that they're not rich. Because <laughs> the reality here, poor man and the beggar, he was poor of natural things, but he was rich in spiritual things. Glory to God, glory to God. Hmm, that, sound, that's, that, that sounded right right there. Because <laughs> that's what, that, see, because we, hallelujah, we equate, you know, being rich as something that is the blessings of God, see? We 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 equate equate being uh, having a lot of stuff as the um, evidence that God is with us, but that's not what this scripture is teaching. The scripture is teaching actually the contrary. In this case, that the rich man had all that stuff, but he didn't have God. The poor man was a beggar, but he had God. So let's look at what it says here. It says, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. That's like poor people today seeking to eat out of our garbage cans. That's what that is like today. Good morning, Ivory. So now we see that these are two people. One is rich and one is a beggar. Look what it says in verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died. What does that mean? His physical time here on earth was over. That's what this death is all about. Death is just the expiration of your physical time here on earth, but you don't cease to exist. Lord, gee, neither do you go into the grave. Not your body go in the grave, but your soul don't go in the grave. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Now, 
I want to, and, and somewhere to, in, 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 perhaps tomorrow in the message, I'm going to really expound on this here more. But your body goes into that grave, but your soul don't go in that grave. See, because look what it says here. It says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, now, now listen to this. That tells us now that Abraham had to be somewhere in a good place. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, Apostle Mike talked about Abraham last night, and I'm going to talk about him, Lord's willing, tomorrow. But Abraham had to be in a good place. Because we're going to notice something here. This, 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 the, the angels took this beggar. Lord Jesus, and carried him, escorted him, see, into Abraham's bosom. Now, look what it says. The rich man also died and was buried. The rich man died and he was buried. Now let's let's just go back a minute. This is not implying or teaching that that the beggar here, Lazarus. This is not imp- implying that Lazarus was not buried. No, it's not implying that at all. Lazarus' body was buried, buried, but his soul, who, which is the life, which is Lazarus, his soul. Remember when God created Adam, he created him, and then he formed Adam a body to put Adam in, oh, glory to God. See, God created him, and then he formed the body, which is the house in which Adam was to live in. See, so now when when God formed that body, that body was just laying there dead. That body was just laying there. It couldn't move. It couldn't see. It couldn't talk. It couldn't do nothing. It was just laying there, a dead man. Mm -hmm. And then God breathed into Adam's nostril. He breathed the soul into Adam. And it was then that that body came alive. See, 
And that body then could see, that body then could feel, that body then could speak, that body then could move about, see? Because God done breathed the soul into that body. But the body now without the soul is dead. The body without the spirit is dead and the body knows nothing. Oh, glory to God. The body is just a house. Like this house here that I am in can't tell me who's in this house. See? But I'm the one that's in this house can tell you what, what the address of the house is where it's located at, how many rooms in the house, and who's in the house, because I'm the light in the house. The soul is the life that was put in the body. And so when we expire, when we come to the end of our expiration date here physically, this body is going back to the dust but our soul and spirit is going to be delivered to God for judgment. So let's look what he says here. He said, now, the, 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 it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, semicolon, and in hell lifted up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now look at this. This 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 uh rich man he died and he was buried but he didn't die. He did not, he, he did not die in that he ceased to exist. That's what I want you to see here. I want you to see that even though he has expired his physical life here on earth, he did not cease to exist. This is what you've got to see when it comes to the soul. The soul will never cease to exist. And so now that both of these men have died, one of them was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The other one, the rich man, lifted up his eyes in hell. Now he's dead. So he's not seeing nothing through that body. He's dead as far as the body goes. See, but he goes into hell and he can see, see, because what enables us to see through this body is the soul. So he could see because it says he lifted up his eyes in hell. He could feel, see. See, all of your feelings is in your soul and spirit. 
all of your feelings comes through the gateway of the soul and spirit. So he could see and he could feel. Now remember, the scripture said he's been buried now. <laughs> so, 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 so now you can, you can, you, you know if you've been to a funeral that you can touch a dead man, he can't feel nothing. You can you can put anything in front of a dead body and it can't see nothing. You can shout as loud as you want to shout, but a dead body can't hear nothing. Oh glory to God. Oh glory to God. That see that just that just kind of makes the point very plain right there. You know, you 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 can talk to a dead body day and night. It's not going to answer you back because the body don't have no life in it. See, in order for the body to do anything, there has to be a life in the body. And that life is what uses the body to respond to the situation that it, it, it encounters here on earth, but in the world of the spiritual, the soul is able to see, the soul is able to feel, the soul is able to speak, the soul is able. So now here we got this, we got this body that's been laid in the graveyard. But we got this soul looking Hirabasha, looking into the paradise. Holy God. And looks in the paradise and sees the 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 the, the, uh, the person that he knew in his real lifetime. See, because he sees Abraham, he had obviously heard about Abraham, but in his soul, he knew that this was Abraham. See, he understood that that's Abraham. And, and we don't know whether this rich man even lived during the time of Abraham. <laughs> the scripture don't tell us that. But we do know that he identified who he saw as Abraham, even after he was dead. Now, just mind you, he's dead now, and he's in hell now. Now, now, now look at this here. I want you to see something. Because I, I said I was going to slow this down and try to finish it today. And if I don't, I don't. But let's see what the Lord does. The rich man dies and there are no processes. There are no procedures that he has to go through to his destination. 
the scripture says he died, and what does it say? And in hell lifted up his eyes. In other words, when you die, in the sense of expiring in the physical bodily form, when this soul leaves this body, see, this body is going to go into the ground, but that soul got one or two places that it's going to go. It's going to either go into the eternal presence and joy of the Lord, or it's going to go into the eternal damnation of hellfire. And it's not going to be now where it happens a thousand years from now. No, it happens instantly. Glory to God. We see this in this case here that the beggar died and he was when instantly carried into the bosom of Abraham, into paradise. The rich man died and the scripture said he lifted up his eyes in hell. And he could see Abraham. He also now could see Lazarus. And he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Look what it says here now. And he cried. That means he could weep and said he could talk. Father Abraham. So now he's identifying Abraham as the father because, you know, the scripture talks about Abraham being the father of our faith. Oh, bless you, Father. So he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. But I am tormented in this flame. So now his comprehension wasn't disturbed, even in hell. See, you, you in hell, you're going to remember all of the times that you were given to make wrong right. And you just didn't do it. See, that's torment. In hell, you're going to remember all of the opportunities that God gave you to confess your sin. You're going to remember. Mm -hmm. In hell, you're going to remember every preacher that came to you. You're going to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to remember all that. In a split millisecond, you will see the totality of your life. You're going to see the times that you were sitting in church and the altar with the, the, the call, uh, altar calls was given and, and you stayed in your seat. You're going to remember when evangelists ministered, prophets prophesied. Apostles preach and teachers taught. 
You're going to remember the message. And you're going to remember inside of the message the exact moment that the word came to you and you rejected it. You're going to remember all that in hell. See, the hell is not the wiping away, oh, glory to God, of all your life. Mm -mm. Hell is a place of torment. And so what's tormented about it because you're going to remember how merciful God was to you. You're going to remember how graceful God was to you. And, and you're going to see how you rejected it over and over. And you're going to be wishing for it in hell, but it can't get to you. Oh, Jesus. Don't go to hell. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just don't go to hell. Because there's no coming back from hell. Look what the scripture says. I, 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 I want let me let me say something to you that say you done been in hell. Change that for a moment and say I was been in a place that was might have been the similitude of hell. <laughs> you ain't went to hell, but you ain't go to hell yet. See, see, see. See, just, just, let's, the only time we, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, <laughs> help, help me, here by shop, hmm. help me right about here, because the only time you and I have been in hell was when Jesus' soul went to hell, Our, we were in there with him, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. But he felt all of the torment of hell. You and I did. Glory to God. And you say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Well, well, it's just the, the, word, the word. The word is still bearing witness to truth. Isaiah 53 and 10 tells us something. Let's just, let's just, let's just see here. Let's just go there and read it, and then we'll come back to Luke. Because we don't want to, we don't want to give you anything that's not in the Scripture. Isaiah fifty-three and verse ten. Look what it says. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous, righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Lord Jesus. With the last verse in this chapter says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the portion with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he has 
and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Oh, bless the Lord. That's who's the seed that he's see when his soul was made an offering for sin. See, his soul, when his soul was made an offering for sin, it tells us now, it tells us that he shall see his seed. Who are his seed? How does, how does God say now, he's going to see his seed, and shall and he shall and his he shall prolong his days. You know, God's here's here's Jesus dying, and God's talking about prolonging his days. <laughs> here come the resurrection here. <laughs> it's the resurrection here. God says, I, I I'm going to. Uh, see his seed. In other words, God was looking and God could see that through the through Jesus' offering of his soul for sin, God could see in that the fruitfulness of that offering that finally produces Lord Jesus what he had purpose to be all along he said now I'm going to get my family now I'm going to get sons glory to God and those sons are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ see and so that's that's what we see now so that so when Jesus poured out his soul and made his soul an offering for sin, he had to go into hell. Glory to God. Yes, he did. Because all of us had a reserved seat in hell. All of us had our reservations in hell. Hallelujah. But thanks be to God. Now let's go back here. Let's go back. I want to get back over to Luke. And let's finish that part. Lord, we're not even getting over to, and we may have to get to um, Genesis, the 39th, I mean, the 40th chapter in the next broadcast. But look at this in Luke again. We're in Luke chapter 16. Well, let's just get back into now. The rich man dies and he goes into hell. The poor man dies and he goes into the bosom of Abraham. This was done immediately. That's why the apostle said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, but Abraham 
say this, this now just think about it this rich man says i'm tormented in this flame so he he got all of his senses he can feel he can uh see he can talk and he understands he has reasoning and then he says and but abraham says son remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things and likewise lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented he said now you know you had a chance when you when lazarus was was there to do good you had a chance to help him <coughs> you had a chance to be a blessing to him but you chose not to see so now lazarus you know he is died just like you he has expired his physical time on earth but he didn't cease to exist see when his when, when his body when his time had come to an end here on earth the angels came and escorted that soul into the bosom of Abraham and he that soul could also feel because it was comforted hallelujah and then he says here he says now besides all of this in verse 26 between us and you there's a great guff fixed in other words, there's a divider between me and you. That's what that's what God is saying here. And look what he says here. This is why I say that if you think you've been in the hell, you might have had an experience where you you felt it like it was hell, but you ain't really been in hell. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know there's a book that's out, you know, people describing that they've been in the hell. No, they ain't been in the hell. They've been in, they could have had a an experience now that has the similarities of hell. Uh, that was a, like a metaphor uh, where uh, they went through certain experiences that that just, you know, that was like a similitude of that or figure of that, you know. Uh, but hell itself, I I have to believe this word right here. <laughs> See, and when I was a little child, uh, this is something that that I read and it told me then what it is telling me now. That once you get in hell, there's no exits. And God don't need to take me into hell to show me nothing. Because hell ain't for me. Lord Jesus. That's like God saying that God had to tell, had to take Adam and, and put him there to, and, and, and cause him now to eat of the tree to show him that his that 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 what sin was no god don't god don't have to take you 
No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love you this morning. So, so, so you might, you might say, I've been in here. Good morning. I, I gotta make sure I come back. I thank you guys for being here again this morning. Bless the Lord. God bless you. Thank you, Monique, for putting up the scriptures here on our YouTube channel. We really appreciate that. And um, now, now let's look at this here. Let's look at this again. We're here now. And, and God says in verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Why does God put this gulf between Elazarus, between Lazarus and the rich man, between Abraham and Lazarus and the rich man and hell? Why is there the great gulf fixed there? He tells us. He says, it's done so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. He said, the reason this gulf is there is so that those that would come from us to help you can't come. See? See, you're not going to get any help in hell. You're not getting no relief in hell. You're not getting no assistance in hell. Now, I know we don't like to talk about hell. I know, I know we uh, would rather not mention the graphic, wicked, evil presence of hell. But hell is a nasty place. Oh, yes, it is. It's an evil place. God says there's, there's people that, that is in the bosom of Abraham. He's talking to this rich man now. He said, there's people that would come to you, but I done fixed it so. Glory to God. I done fixed it so that they cannot come. See, 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 there's going there's a time when when we when we go to we, when we are in in church and 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 preachers and teachers and prophets and apostles and and evangelists is is coming to us with the word and trying to persuade us of 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 of, of the salvation through Jesus Christ and and we are listening to word after word after word after word and yet we are rejecting we are refusing to 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 receive the word. And so now God has said there will be a day of reckoning. And in that day, you will search for the word. You will seek after the word. You will desire the word. And there'll be people that will want to bring you the word, but I have fixed it so that they cannot. Oh, Jesus, I have fixed it. So you're not going to hear the word. I'm not going to let you hear. I'm not going to let you hear. And saints of God, you don't have to go into hell for God to fix it so that you can't hear the word of God. You don't have to go to hell now to do God and fix it right now so that you can never hear another word again. You can fix it so that your heart will never come into 
truth. Because you can keep rejecting the word and rejecting the word and, and each rejection of the word makes the heart harder. Makes it harder and harder. And so you can keep rejecting the word to the point you be given over to a reprobate mind. Rejecting the word to the point where you can believe a lie and be fully persuaded that the lie is the truth. Jesus, Jesus. So he says, they can't come to you. Sorry, but they can't come. Oh, they would come, but I done fixed this thing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. God is saying, I know, I know man will give in. I know man will can't stand this torment like that. Man can't couldn't stomach seeing hell. Man could not stomach seeing somebody in hell and not want to go and help them. But he said, I done fixed it so that they that would come to you cannot come. Oh, Jesus. And then look what he says also. He says, neither can they pass to us that would come from you. <laughs> he said, once you get in hell, Ain't no getting out. Ain't no getting out of hell, you know? And we don't talk a lot about hell, but hell is as real as God is. And there are millions going into hell. See, and, and, and once you get to hell, there are no second chances. There are no other way. There's never going to be a way out. Mama can't help you in hell. Daddy can't help you. Brothers and sisters can't help you. Prophets can't help you. Apostles can't help you. Preachers can't help you. Evangelists can't help you. Missionaries can't help you. Can't nobody help you when you get into hell. So what's my word to you now? Don't go to hell. That's my word to you. Because you don't have to go. There's a heaven. There is a heaven. Oh, glory to God. And you make the choice. You can decide that I'm going to heaven or you will decide that you're going to hell. If you don't decide to go to heaven, you have already decided to go to hell. And so, so Jesus makes this very clear here. And, and, and so now, in verse 27, it says, then he said, see, the, the rich man says, well, 
I pray thee therefore. Now he's not, he's, he's, he's offering this prayer. But you know, when you get to hell, God is not interested in your prayers. You need to pray now. Pray now while you can get an audience with God. Pray now while God can, is willing to listen. But once you get into hell, you, you, you don't have no audience with God in that he is going to do what you say. See, and so this rich man says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. So, so now this, 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 this guy here, now listen to this. This, listen to this now. And I, I tell you, you know, we was talking about Joseph. Joseph was a real example here. You know, like Joseph's in the book of Genesis, he was an example of really uh, compassion and, and, and care and love and, uh, of the Lord and for his brothers and fellow man. Look what this rich man now that's burning in hell. Look what he does. He says, send this Lazarus to my father's house. He goes and says, for I have five brethren that he might testify to them lest they also come into this place of torment. So now he says, I got five brothers. Now, now here's this guy burning in hell, but through all of that, he shows compassion. He shows concern. It's got to be tormenting to, to even accept the fact that you are going to burn in hell forever and not die. Now that's got, that's got to be tormenting there. It's got to be tormenting to know that you are going to be experiencing misery throughout all eternity that will never, ever cease. with no chance of relief to accept that. He says, please send Lazarus because I don't want my brothers to come in. Now, where was that compassion? See, he could have had that same kind of compassion for that beggar, but he did not. See, when he had all of his blessings, he wasn't compassionate. But now he's burning in hell, and now he's, you know, concerned about his brothers. Oh, Jesus. But it's too late. It's too late. Look what Abraham says. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. 
He said, they got Moses and they got the prophets. Let them hear them. But then this rich man kept on pleading this case. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they would not hear Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. And so what he's saying now is that if, if they won't hear, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, they won't repent even if I sent somebody that was raised from the dead. See, 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 when you reject the truth, your heart is hardened. And you and as you continue to reject the truth, your heart gets harder and harder, and you get to a place that you just not gonna hear nobody. You just not gonna hear that. You you it's like a callus over your heart. It's like you have now uh, been totally desensitized to righteousness. And so therefore now, you're you that person that's just going headlong into hell and not even aware that that's where you're going. Good morning, Elizabeth. And good morning, Valencia. God bless you. Amen. So now let's look over here again let's look here because we got to we got to see something here now i want to put a button on this look look at let's go now we, we're going to move from here we're going to go to genesis chapter um uh, 30 chapter 40 we're going to pick up right there because now i've told you that all things work together for your good okay all Things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to this purpose. So now, if you, what part of that don't you understand? You know, because we want to make sure you are understanding that. Or what does that mean to you? Let's just do that this morning. What does that mean to you when we say all things are working together for your good? Somebody just tell me that. You know, what does that mean to you? You know, because a lot of times people say, well, no, uh, all these bad things are happening to me. All of this stuff is happening to me. How dare you say all things are working together for my good? You know, and and you may say, well, this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen. And, and you know, and uh, am I supposed to uh, rejoice? Am I supposed to give Thanks for this. Am I supposed to, to, to bless God in this? You know, and so, so what is it? What does that mean to you when you read Romans 8 28? What does that say to you? See, until we come right there to define what the scripture is saying to us, we're not going to move into that. You see, I talked about Joseph, we talked a lot about Joseph. Joseph, just settle, settle yourself for just a moment. Joseph was a young kid. And his father 
showed him love in ways that he didn't show the others. But that had nothing to do with Joseph, had nothing to do with Joseph's uh, actions himself. But because of that, his father gave him a coat of many colors. Now, we don't, sometimes you don't hear people preach about the coat of many colors, but that was very significant. Even the coat of many colors was a prophetic message about Joseph's purpose. Glory to God, glory to God. And we're going to get into that one day about the coat of many colors. But now we see something here. Let's just, let's just kind of dissect this a little bit. Joseph was hated by his brothers because of it. And now God the Father visits Joseph in a dream. What does God do? He shows Joseph his plan for his life. That's what God did. God showed Joseph his plan, his purpose. And so what happened? Joseph now told that to his brothers and his brothers hated him because of it. Up to this point, Joseph has done nothing wrong. Good morning, Regina. And then we find that the next thing that happens, God visit Joseph again and give him another dream. And Joseph goes and tells this dream to his mom and dad and the rest of his brothers again. And the scripture tells us that the father rebukes Joseph for that. But the father held on to it. But his brothers, Joseph's brothers, the scriptures, they hated him even the more. And could not speak to him peacefully from that time on. In other words, they never had anything good to say to Joseph. Now, just imagine these are his brothers. These are his brothers. And Joseph has done nothing wrong. See, he's been given the purpose of God. But that purpose now. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. That purpose included him serving the very ones that hated him. I want you to see your disposition. See, you got to, you got to judge your disposition here if you say you are going to be faithful to the purpose of God. The purpose of God will include you serving those that hate you in righteousness. Glory to God. See, you, 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 we, we, gotta, we gotta deal with this because see, a lot of times we bash those that come up against us. We, uh, we, we do the same thing that they're doing but we tend to do it under the disguise of our religion, or under the disguise of we just want to 
inform you of this or we can pray for them. Or we do it under disguise now of, of righteous indignation. See, and God now, glory to God. See, God knows, <laughs> glory to God. God knows when you are being hypocritical, see, but Joseph did nothing wrong and he never lashed back. He never reviled back. He never treated his brothers with any type of revenge or illness or ill treatment or nothing. Now let's, let's, let's see ourselves in it because I told you that all things were together for the good. Until you understand that the purpose of God is the only thing about your life that matters, you'll, you will not be as Joseph. You cannot be as him. Not inside of these type of situations, not inside of these type of experiences. See, if the purpose of God is not the only thing that matters to a son of God, that son of God is going to walk in sin. That son of God going to walk in rebellion. That son of God going to walk in carnality. That son of God going to walk in the lust of the flesh. And you can put an exclamation mark on that. If the purpose of God, if you ever lose focus on the purpose of God, Satan got you. Lord Jesus. I'll say that again. If you ever lose focus on the purpose of God for your life and you move outside of that purpose, Satan got you. He ain't got to get you. He already got you. See, and if we don't understand that, if we don't see that, if we don't embrace that, then we're playing right into the hand of the devil. Joseph refused to abandon God's purpose. So what happens? God says, I'm going to try you in this. Now, God wasn't ignorant to what was happening to Joseph. God wasn't ignorant to the fact that Joseph's brothers hated him without a cause. He was not ignorant that they despised him. God wasn't ignorant that they were speaking harshly to him and never had a word of peace to say to Joseph. God wasn't ignorant to that. But what does God do? See, God will try your heart inside of a, a, a painful situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesus. And so what God does now is he says, tell the father, say, tell you, tell Joseph to go down there and check on his brothers to see how they are doing. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine being hated by your brothers, being despised by them, that to the point that they prefer you dead? than to be in their company. And now you get 
this assignment to go check on them, see how they're doing. Oh, Lord, have mercy. What would you do in that situation? See, what would you do? How would you respond inside of that situation? What would be your disposition right there? See, because so many times we have been uh, guilty, you know, that somebody hates me. I don't want to have nothing to do with them. But what if God gives you the assignment that I want you to take care of them? Lord Jesus. What if God gives you the assignment that says, I want you to nurture them. I want you to provide for them. See, see, you, what this is what you have to be um, fully uh, committed to the purpose of God to do something like this. And Joseph was that individual that teaches us that. Now let's look at something. Let's look at something here. Joseph not only goes to Shechem to look for his brothers, when he get there, they're not there. Now Joseph could have turned around and went back home because he would have done what his father told him to do. He would have went where his father sent him. He searched for his brothers and they wasn't there. But the scripture lets us know that he was searching wandering all about the city. And he was searching so diligently that a stranger approached him and says, what are you looking for? And he told him, I'm looking for my brothers. And so the stranger said, well, I heard him said they was going down to Dalton. Now, Joseph was not told to go to Dalton. He was told to go to Shechem to look for your brothers, see how they're doing, make sure that they're doing all right and bring me back report. So Joseph goes there and he's searched for them, they're not there. He spends hours looking for them and they're not, don't find them. Finally, he gets a word that they went to another town. But Joseph loved his father so much so that the love that he had for his father pushed him past the hatred that his brothers had for him. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's another nugget right there. Somebody need to put that in a caption. That's a nugget right there. The love that Joseph had for his father pushed him past the hatred that his brothers had for him. In other words, he didn't say, because they hate me, I'm not going the extra mile. Mm -hmm. He's not saying that. He's not saying, because they hate me and despise me, I'm not going to put myself out for them. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, because I love my father, I'm going the extra mile, even though they hate me. Glory to God. Because I love my father, because I want to bring him a satisfying report, I'm going to go out beyond the call of duty 
beyond what he just legally told me. And I'm going to put myself out there so that I can satisfy my father. See, when you love God, you don't see the ills of people. Glory to God. And attack them for what they are doing wrong. Oh, glory to God. Somebody need to understand something here. See, because a lot of times we 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 that are that name the name of the Lord, we say, Well, oh, I'm 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 a child of God. I'm saved and, and sanctified, but to what? To what where where have that been tested? Where have that been tried? Oh, glory to God. See, if you haven't been tried, you don't know what you will do. All you can do is say, I hope that I would do this. See, I hope that I would do that. But see, when you get tried and you come out on the other side of that trial, glory to God. Thank you, Regina, for putting that there. I'm switching back and forth from my Facebook page and the YouTube page. So that's why I may be a little bit uh, lingering for the, um, the comments there, but I'm getting both of them. See, if you if you if you won't get to the if you haven't gotten to the place, let me say this now. You're gonna this is something you gotta you gotta get because we're talking about purpose. Oh, glory to God. See, the purpose, I told you another thing that we said, the purpose of God for your life is bigger than the problem in your life. We told you that some days ago. The purpose of God for your life is bigger than the problems you have in your life. And if you, if you don't see that, you're going to always acquiesce to the problem and respond to the problem and not to purpose. Oh, glory to God. And God is saying, stop responding to the problem over here that you see, because I have already told you that all things work together for good. Oh, Jesus. To those that love the Lord. You said, well, Bishop, you haven't said anything good about Joseph. Everything you're talking about, Joseph, is just bad. What? What's bad? Brothers hated him. What's bad? Brothers despise him. What's bad? Fathers rebukes him. What's bad? He gets the assignment to go take care of his brothers. What's bad? His brothers conspire to kill him. What's bad? They throw him into a pit. What's bad? They sell him to the Ishmaelites. What's bad? The Ishmaelites sells him to Potiphar. What's bad? The wife of Potiphar accuses him of rape. What's bad? Potiphar throws him in prison. But all things work together for good. Ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, if you don't have your heart fixed on the purpose of God, you'd have got knocked out in any one of those situations that happened with Joseph. You got knocked out with any one of them. Because we have not, we have not been uh, attacked or we have not had that experience to the level that Joseph had it. Never mind that he's been separated from his family 
for years. Never mind that his father and mother has been told that he is dead. Never mind that they've been grieving over his death when he is still alive. Never mind. Glory to God, all the other things that is attached and associated with the things that happened to Joseph. Never mind the psychological damage that, that could have been his. Oh, glory to God. If he won't just stay fixated on the problem, he had a whole lot to talk about. But he was not fixated on the problem. He was fixated on the purpose and he never lost sight of the purpose of God. He said, I saw, I saw 11 sheaves bowing down to me. Oh, glory to God. They may hate me now, but God's bringing me somewhere that my enemies shall bow. Oh, glory to God. He kept his sight on it. And, and you don't see nowhere. Now just listen to this. You don't see nowhere where God told him anything else about that. After those two visions, those two dreams, you don't see nowhere else in scripture that God spoke to him about that purpose. Because he didn't have to. Lord Jesus, would you want to be where God can just show you your purpose? And that's enough for you. That's enough. God tells you this is your purpose and you just grab it and run with it and let nothing deter you from the purpose of God. All oh, glory to God. Well, I want to say good morning, and I am so apologetic this morning for you in our pod being. I am so sorry that I have not chimed in to you up until now. You guys are blowing up this pod being Facebook. If you could see what I am looking at in the pod beam, please sign up. I put it on my, I put it on my uh, Facebook posting. Please sign up for the podcast because you can get the audio version of this and it'll be really good for you. Uh, just to just increase your faith. This podcast has people on it from all around the world. Uh, so I'm going to ask you in the podcast, uh, Go in and type in where you're listening to this uh, broadcast from. Somebody go ahead and start doing that. Let me know where are you from. In fact, I'm going to type it in there right now. Tell me where you are from. So that we can just call out some of your countries, bless God, that is on. I see India. Glory to God. Africa, glory to God. And look here, Egypt, the Philippines, you see, this is what we're talking about. There are people that are listening from around the world. And oh, glory to God. This is just so, so good, you know, to have this. And some of the time zones, it's already night there. You know, we got Pakistan on, we got Kenya on, we've got Sweden on. These, these are different nations. Glory to God. And I don't know, this is uh, 
this this one you be something uh it's in africa uh but we got the netherlands on got the united kingdom on see this is what i'm talking about saints of god there are people all around the world that are saying i need the word of god oh bless his name so we truly bless you today we truly bless you Wherever you are, whether it's morning or whether it's night, we bless you in Jesus' name. And we're, we're going to ask you to go ahead and download this podcast. And let me say this to you. You know, we, we are here teaching and have been for a little minute. But in a couple of months' time, we have had over 1,500 of these sermons downloaded. That means 1,500 people have not just come on and watched and viewed and listened to this broadcast, but 1,500 have downloaded sermons that are an hour to two hours in length because I'm getting the data. I get the data of every download. And I'm telling you, that is amazing that, that, that you would take the time to um, download these sermons after having been in this uh, broadcast, it shows that you truly have a hunger for the word and a desire to keep that word for your life. And I appreciate that. And I'll say, God bless you for that. Amen. Now, those of you that are in our YouTube, we want to say, God bless you. You guys are killing it as well. And those of you that are in our Facebook live, God bless you this morning. We just thank God for you. Now, Let's look at something here. Let's look at this because we're talking about this purpose. And we told you that the purpose of God was to conform us to the image of his son so that we can operate as sons of God. The predestination of God is what guarantees the purpose of God. The providence of God is what accomplishes that purpose. So we're talking about this predestination and we want you to understand from predestination. Predestination is not a usurping of your choice, your ability to choose. Predestination does not take away your ability to choose. So to understand predestination, you have to include the foreknowledge of God. You cannot understand predestination rightly, accurately, if you don't include the foreknowledge of God. Because what predestination is, it is a choice fixed in time beforehand. It is a choice fixed in time beforehand. So how is that choice fixed? Because that's what gets people right there. People say, well, if it's fixed, then I don't, it, it, nothing I can do to change it. See, so that's, the, that's coming from the heart of an individual that does not understand predestination and they don't include now foreknowledge because the script says it is according to the foreknowledge of god that all things are predestinated see and so that's what we have to always include the foreknowledge of god and what is foreknowledge foreknowledge is the ability to see and know all things before they ever exist. That's foreknowledge. 
see the foreknowledge is the ability to see and know all things about a person before that person ever exists in the natural. So God now has foreknowledge. That means he knows every choice that we would make. He knows every decision that we would make about everything that we will be exposed to. He knows what our choices are before we ever came forth. And so he predestined things to come about to manifest the choices that we have made. That's predestination. See, he predestined things to come about according to the choices that you and I made, even before we were ever born. See, that's his foreknowledge. See, you and I don't have that foreknowledge except God gives us a word of knowledge or the gift of knowledge. See, but God knows all things before they ever exist in the manifestation of natural being. So what he knows allows him. In other words, God can look through our eternity and he sees that at, at 1962, there's going to be a child birth to the parents of Bunny and Willie B. Jones. That child would be a young boy. And at that young age, that young boy will accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He sees that that child will grow and grow and grow to an adult. He sees that he will respond to things negatively. He sees that that child would go astray. Then he sees that, that child will run into a situation in life and that child will, will, will have a heart of repentance. And that child would be come back and call upon him. See, God sees all these events before these events ever took place. And so he just simply fixes all the circumstances of life to be centered around the choices that that child would make. So when those things happen now, it didn't surprise God that they happened. And God is not the one that made them happen. See, they were brought about based on the choices that I made. So if God sees that, that I will hear preachers after preachers, but I'm going to reject them. If God sees that I'm going to be sitting in church week in and week out, but I'm not going to accept the, the word. I'm not going to come to the altar. I'm not going to repent of my sin. God knows that before I ever was born. See, his foreknowledge enabled him to know that before I was born. See, so he's not making me now reject the gospel. He just knows that I am going to reject the gospel. Glory to God. 
So he orders all things to happen according to my choice, according to decisions that I made. See, and that's what predestination is. But without understanding the foreknowledge, you can get way off track with predestination. You can get to this position where you start saying, well, if it's going to happen, it's just going to be anyway. That's not what the word of God teaches either. You know, that's what people say when they don't really know, when they don't really understand and don't can't explain it. They say, well, if it's going to be, it's just going to be. You know, but that's not what the scripture says. You know, you know, that's not that's not the way the scripture teaches that. So you got to just understand that predestination is it's not something that overrides your choice. It doesn't rule out your ability to choose, but it includes your ability to choose. Amen. Amen. So that's what guarantees the purpose. And the reason it guarantees the purpose is because God knows how the end going to play out before it ever started. See, so he knows how this thing going to play out before it ever begun. So that's why the predestination guarantees it. But then there's a method in which God accomplishes it. Oh, Jesus. And that's providence. See, that's just like, you know, you got a car, you're driving a car. And that car, it's got some, you know, you you, you got a, 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 a title to it and you got a, you know, you're, you're making those payments on that car and then you pay it off. That title, um, says that that car belongs to you and and now you go out and that 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 you get insurance on the car and the reason you get insurance on it because the insurance acts as providence the insurance is the means by which you restore the car should the car get in a wreck the insurance is the means by which you bring that car back to perfection, bring that car back to its purpose. See, because when the car gets wrecked, it, it may not be able to fulfill its purpose. But there's some insurance now that you have that says if there's a wreck in that car, that you contact the insurance people and they through the policy of that insurance will work to restore that car and bring it back to the purpose for which you bought it. Now, good morning, Gwendolyn. God bless you. So now let's look at God's providence. He's taking Joseph on a trip that you will look at and say, oh, this is not good. Joseph gets thrown into prison, and look what happens. Now, every time Joseph got into a bad situation, like when he got sold into slavery, God says, the scripture says, the Lord was with him. See, the Lord was with him. And I said when I first read that, what was the Lord before he got put into prison? And the Lord said, I was with him then too. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, let's look. He's in prison. I'm about to finish this now. He's in prison. And look what happens. And Pharaoh was wroth. It says, and it came to pass, verse 1 of the 40th chapter of Genesis. 
And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Now, now the butler and the baker, they offended the king of Egypt. And so the king got mad and so what he does. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them inward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was found. So now they take the chief butler and the chief baker and they put them in prison where Joseph is. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season inward. And they dream, a dream, both of them, each man in his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Now, here they are in this prison with Joseph, right? And they both have a dream. Now, now how is God, look at God, Joseph. Now, it's been years. It's been years now since Joseph had that, those two dreams. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's been years since he had those two dreams, but now he's in prison. And then he gets two other inmates come into the prison. And both of those inmates have a dream. Hmm. Is that a coincidence that God would, out of all the places those two inmates could have went in the prisons of the king, he puts them in the prison cell with Joseph. You think God didn't know that they was going to have a dream? I'm trying to show you that. See, God wants someone who will trust his purpose for their life. No matter how it feels, no matter how it looks, no matter what other folks say, will you trust God? Do you trust God for you, for the purpose that he has for your life? So now they're in there, these two, and they're having this, they had this dream. And Joseph came in, unto them in the morning and looked upon them and behold, they were sad. So obviously this dream disturbed them. You know, this dream came and Joseph looked at him and said, these guys don't look too good. <laughs> I guess Joseph walked around in the prison like, okay, I got the joy of the Lord. You see, when, you, when you're walking with God, you don't, you're not uh, living inside of a situation being depressed see no no when you got the joy of the lord you're not doing that you're in you can be in a situation and be walking around saying this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine see you you you, you can be walking around saying oh how he loves me when you walk i mean when you when you're walking with god Oh, glory to God. 
you'd be like um, Paul and Silas in, a, in the Philippian jail. They just started praying and praising God. People look at you and say, well, wait a minute, what, what's wrong with you? Don't you realize that you're in jail? Don't you realize that you're in prison? You know, don't you realize that the food stinks in here? Don't you realize that you done lost your freedom? But you just walk around saying, Jesus, I'll never forget what you done for me. See, people said, well, wait a minute, you in jail. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. It's wait a minute. You in prison. <laughs> oh, glory to God. See, I know something about the praise of God in the midst, in the midst of a very difficult situation. Hallelujah. Now, look at this here. The butler and the baker has a dream. Joseph said, these guys have looked too good. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house saying, wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them, tell me them, I pray you. So Joseph is saying, God is the one that can interpret the dream. And Joseph, in a middle moment, remembers that God gave him dreams. And he says, tell me what your dream was. And so, and the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and gave the cup to Pharaoh's into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. See how Joseph just moved right on into just, you know, when God is doing something, it's not no deep, mysterious stuff that you got to go all get so postured in such a deep looking posture. <laughs> no, you just say what God says. See, people don't, we've been programmed to think that if you say what God says, you got to be saying, oh, you got to be really deep. No, no. You just say what God say. Oh, glory. Joseph just said, well, this is the interpretation of it. You want to know what it means? Here's what it means. Three branches of three days. So he goes on to say to him, he says, now, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cups into his hand after the former manner when thou was his butler. So he, Joseph was saying, you're getting out of prison. 
That's what Joseph telling him. He said, you got three more days and you're getting out of here. That, look at Joseph prophesying. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, God. He's in prison for something that he's been treated so wrong, but yet he refused to abandon purpose. He could have said, John, I had a dream, ain't nothing happened to it. I'm not talking to you about no dream. My Lord. He could have said, don't tell me nothing about no dream. I done had two dreams and, and the only thing they led me to is prison. So I don't want to hear nothing about no dream. Go tell that to somebody else. That's the heart that he could have worked in. But Joseph did not abandon purpose. He did not abandon the ministry. Even though he was in a prison, he, he, he can you imagine, he, why would he prophesy to someone else that they're getting out of prison when he's sitting in prison for something that he didn't do nothing wrong? See, I'm trying to show you the disposition. And yet God says all things work together for the good. You're going to prophesy about somebody else's dream and you ain't seen the dream that you done had come to pass. See, that's what God, see, God wants you to abandon what you want for the good of what somebody else wants. Can you see that principle inside of this? That if I just look not to my own needs, but to the needs of others, it might be that my needs are supplied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then the butler is going to be restored and he's going to bear the cup to the king in three days. Now, look what he says now. He says now, but think on me when it shall be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me to Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. This is Joseph now saying, look, I know you're going to get out. I know you're going to be restored and you're going to bear the cup to the king. He says, now do me a favor. When you get there, think about me. And speak to me for the king. That he might bring me out of here too. So now here is Joseph's first request. Lord Jesus. He didn't say to the butler. He didn't say, well, you know, I've been misused. He didn't say I've been falsely accused. He didn't say my brothers got me into this. He didn't say, you know, they just don't like me. They hate him. He didn't go and play back for them all the stuff. He says, when you get speak to the king about me. And look what's happens now. Look what happens. He says now. He said, for indeed. I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. 
He says, now, I got yanked out of the land of the Hebrews. I was stolen. And he says, I've done nothing even here that justifies them putting me into this dungeon. But look what it says. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uttermost basket, there was of all manner of, of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. And he says, look what he says now. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang it on a tree and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Now here's this prisoner. He's given two prophetic words that are opposite each other. He said, you know what? You're going to die. Three days from now, you're going to die. Told one, three days from now, you're going to be restored. The other, three days from now, you're gonna have your, you're gonna be beheaded. See, here's a man that Joseph is staying so true to purpose, even though he's in seemingly a very, very bad situation. But he didn't abandon ministry, and he didn't abandon the ministry that would be unpleasant to him. See, here's what I want you to see from this. Here's a man that is given to prophetic interpretations of events that is going to take place. And he sees one of them and understands that this one is good. So now he could have just told that one, but when it comes down to the other one that was bad, he could have with, made a detour and not told that vision or that dream to the baker. He could have told him, so, oh, you, you're going to be all right. But no, he told him, so, yeah, no, 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 you, you, you got three days to live. You're going to die. And see, and, and, and sometimes we see people and we see that they're on the road to destruction. And we will try to, because we uh, know them or want to feel a certain way or maintain uh, some camaraderie with them, we won't 
go all the way in telling them the truth about the situation that they're really in. That wasn't the case with Joseph. Joseph said, you're going to go to, you, you're going to be beheaded. See, staying true to ministry, when you're fixed on the purpose of God, you realize that that's the most important, the only thing that's of any value concerning your life is to fulfill the purpose of God. See, and when you get there, where you recognize that the only thing that is of any value in my life is to fulfill the purpose of God, you won't turn to the left, you won't turn to the right. See, Joseph says, this is the case. So now we read, and it came to pass, verse 20, it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all the servants, and he lifted up the head of his chief butler and of his chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto the butlership again, and he gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. Now, what this is just saying is that everything that Joseph spoke came to pass, but the butler didn't mention Joseph. Now, now, now just think about the heart here of Joseph. You have been hated by your brothers, despised by them, conspired to be killed by them, rebuked by your father, sent to take care of your brothers, see how they're doing. They conspire to kill you, they throw you in a pit, they sell you to the Ishmaelites, sell you into Egypt to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife accuses you of rape, throws you in a prison, <coughs> and now you get two butlers, I get a butler and a baker going, coming into your cell, they have a dream. You interpret those dreams. And your prophecy come to pass just like you did it, said it. And now all you ask was, remember me when it's when it gets well for you. And now the butler is restored, but he forgets about you. And you got to spend a few more years in that prison. And yet you want me to believe that all things work together for my good. Okay, well, let's just wrap it up right here. They forgot about him, right? But that wasn't in. See, God didn't forget about him. See, when people don't respond to you the way you think that they should, you got to, your love for God has got to push beyond that and remain focused on the purpose of God for your life. Because look what it says, and it came to pass that in a two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, now two years later, Pharaoh now have a dream. And now this is, this is, see, see, I told you that God was working his purpose in Joseph, preparing him 
for the ultimate of the purpose of God. Now, so Joseph has this dream. I mean, Pharaoh has this dream. And behold, he stood by a river. And behold, there came out of the river seven well favored kin and fat flesh. And they fed in the meadows. And behold, seven other kin came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kin upon the brink of the river. And the ill-flavored and the lean-flavored kin did eat up the seven well-flavored and fat kin. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed a second dream. And behold, the seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, and behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them, and the seven thin ears, and uh, devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, Pharaoh didn't have this dream, but he couldn't understand it. Here's God again. See, the providence of God is, is to accomplish the purpose of God. See, and when the butler refused to acknowledge Joseph, it wasn't over. God says, it, it, don't worry about that. You don't, sometimes we want to put God on our time. See, but God had his time already. God was preparing Joseph to, 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 to go right into the heart of the king. God was bringing him right into the heart of the king. And it, but it, it wasn't coming the way any of us would have thought. It wasn't happening the way any of us now would have ordered it to happen. But it was happening because it was God's purpose. Glory to God. And Joseph was all right with it. Oh, hallelujah. Now, look what it says here. So, so I'm going to go ahead and go down to the, the, the end of this because uh, uh, now, now we have uh, in verse uh, uh, 9, it says, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. In other words, he said, I remember that I forgot to do what uh, Joseph told me to do. He says, Pharaoh was wroth with his servant and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of this dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams to each man according to his dream did he interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me, he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. So this now, now this butler is sharing this testimony, but now who is he sharing with? The king. See, God knows how to put you in people's hearts. You don't have to do that yourself. And so 
Now we see Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his garments and came in unto Pharaoh. In other words, he's saying, you gotta, you gotta get decent to come before the king. That's a lesson for us, how we come before God. Okay, we'll talk about that another time. So Joseph goes in and he interprets the dream of Pharaoh. And because he interpreted that dream, God moved him from the prison and put him in the palace. See? So God puts him in the palace. Now, now Joseph is now the, the king over all Egypt. And there's no one that's in have any greater power, authority in the entire land but Pharaoh. So now what God, what has happened here? God has brought this young guy that was a young kid with all these bad things happening to him, with everything going haywire. He has brought him all the way to the throne and set him there on his right hand. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Isn't that what God has set you and I in Christ Jesus on his right hand? Glory to God. Glory to God. We'll talk about that tomorrow, maybe. So now, let's just look here. I want you to see something as I close. I want you to skip down to, let's go all the way to the end of the book. Let's just close it out. Let's go all the way to chapter 50 um, of the Genesis, the 50th chapter, I believe. We're gonna close it out right there. Let's see, that's chapter 49. And we're going to get into chapter 50. Is that the one that we want? Yeah, chapter 50. Let's just look at chapter 50 for a moment and, and see what it says. Because this is what I want us to see that Joseph was given. Um, Let's just look here. Now, we're just going to read this. I'm not going to read it all. You can read the 50th chapter, but I'm just going to give you a couple of you know, a couple of so verses that uh, puts it all in into a capsule. Joseph now is king. His brothers and his mom and dad as Cain and bowed before him, fulfilling the dream that he had when he was a little child. They have come and they bowed to him. He's king now. He's made himself known to his brothers and sisters. I couldn't give you all of that. You can just read it all through the story. But he's made himself known to his brothers and sisters, his brothers, and, and he's sent back for his mom and dad. And his mom and dad has come and they've lived there in they're with him and he is taking care of them to this point but at this point now his dad has died and his brothers think now he's going to seek revenge 
you know, because they felt like, you know, daddy is dead now and Joseph going to get us for what we've done to him. Look what happens. The scripture says his, his brothers went on to, to, to make a letter and, and forge it like it was their father uh, telling him to forgive his brothers and, and, and for what they have done. Uh, so, but Joseph wasn't even thinking about not forgiving them because he had already forgiven them. Look what it says here in verse um, 15, it says, and when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly requit us all the evil which we did unto him. They said, Joseph gonna get back at us now because he's king, he's got power, he can eat, everything moves at his word, see? And they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, your father did command before he died saying, so shall ye say to, unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brother, brethren and their sin, for they did unto the evil. And now I pray thee, forgive and trust the trespass of, of the servants of God, of the, of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Now they are telling him this lie. See, and his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be your thy servants. This was that dream again. They're falling down before him. And Joseph said unto them, Here's Joseph's response. Now, all of these things that happened to Joseph. But here's Joseph's response. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. In other words, you really meant to hurt me. You really meant to harm me. He said, but God meant it unto good to bring about, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He said, God was bringing me here so I could be as I am today to save people. See, the purpose of God for your life is to the benefit of other people. And if you lose sight of that, you're not going to treat people right. You're just not. You're just not going to walk right. You're not going to honor God in your relationships. See, but if you keep sight of the purpose then of God for your life, you're going to treat people right. And because, because you're going to honor God, in all of your relationships. Look what he says. He said, now y'all meant to do me evil, but God meant it unto good. Now, verse 21, he says, now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and they spake kindly and spake kindly unto them. Now that's the heart of God, amen. So I want you to get into that story, read it some more, 
Go back through it. Let God speak to you because God has an amazing purpose for your life. Oh, glory to God. And it's exciting. Can you imagine Joseph not being the king now? A whole nation would have been destroyed. But God sent him to save souls from around the world. But the route that God sent him on was filled with, with persecution, was filled with suffering, was filled with false accusation, was filled with false imprisonment. The route, but Joseph stayed true to the purpose and allowed and trusted God and allowed him to lead him. And I'm saying to you, do likewise. God bless you. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I see that we have glory to God. Glory to God. All right. Let's see. We have uh, Yo-Yo. Uh, is that your uh, link there on uh, simplecast.com? You know, I've got that uh, podcast as well. And I see you in the pod being here. I've got that podcast. How's everybody doing? And we've got more and more of you on in the podcast. Carrie, thank you. Mahmoud, thank you. Lindsay, JM, thank you. Vashma, thank you. Dennis, thank you. Yo-Yo, thank you. Sister, EF, thank you. Mike, thank you. Is that Lemoins? Thank you. Glory to God. And let's see, we got Miss Ove, Mrs. Overy, thank you. Uh, Buto, thank you. Uh, Creole, thank you. Uh, Steer, is that Stevie? Thank you. Nana, thank you. And JJ, thank you. Glory to God. God bless you. Listen, go ahead and follow us on the podcast, we want you to stay tuned to us and, and be able to get, uh, bless God, uh, all of these uh, podcasts and go ahead and download it. We want to say thank you, Ernest. Thank you for being with us. Glory to God. I see JJ, you say good or bad has purpose. You're absolutely right. Mir, thank you. Anurik Kumar, thank you. Mayhagi, thank you. Sue, 35, thank you. Glory to God, heart, thank you. God, servant, Ababio, thank you. P.S. Bernard, thank you. And uh, and I see this is Akuna Tata. Okay, I, I know I'm messing up these names. Oaken, thank you. Uh, is that Gene Pagan, thank you. Glory to God, DJ Conkey, thank you. And oh my God, Christopher, thank you. And Cry Rita, 41, thank you. And Stephalyn Lecky, thank you. Heaven, uh, heaven to earth, thank you. Akorish, thank you. Abha, thank you. Glory to God, yam yam, thank you. And I'm telling you, you guys are loading up this pod bean. 
And we appreciate you being with us in the pod beam on this Saturday. You know, Saturday is my off day for the revival. And we are just thought we would do it at Hammett. Thank you, uh, Lady Apostle. Thank you, Rizelle Grace. Thank you, POV. Thank you, ROHI. Thank you, uh, Nana Fimpong. Thank you, Aceus. Thank you, Big Lord. Lollary, thank you. Uh, Pamindal, thank you. Okay, we're just, we're doing our best to just acknowledge as many of you as we can. And we see Icool here. We see Prezar too. Thank you. Paramixdal, thank you. Well, all of you, we are saying thank you for being with us. And I hope I hope that this broadcast has been a blessing to you. Uh, it has certainly uh, been one that will, uh, uh, will have opened up our eyes. Good morning, Lorez, Lorez Wade. God bless you. Amen. Well, I've got to go. I've been here two and a half hours this morning, and I'm going to just kind of kind of lay around all day. I'm not going to do much of nothing else. I'm going to study the word of God, be ready for the service of the Lord tomorrow, and just just, just kind of refresh ourselves in what God is saying and have said all week long in the revival. We've had some amazing uh, truth delivered to us in the revival, and I'm just going to try to go back through that and just refresh myself in that for the duration of today. I'm Bishop Jones saying, if you go with God, you know, I know that God will surely go with you. I want to say those of you, Monique, thank you. Those of you that's in the uh, pod being download this here lesson. Go back and get these lessons and download them. If it's a part one, get part one, get part two. Download it so that you can go through it and use it as your time of devotion, your time of getting before God. You know, just go piece by piece. If you only can do 15, 20 minutes, then you can come back and do it again, you know, and just continue so that you can grow and in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and be what God has called you to be. Listen, that's more important than anything else in the world. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. That's why the scripture said, what should a prophet man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Nothing else matters. Oh, bless you, Father. So I want to bless you in the podcast until the next broadcast. Have a Jesus-filled day.